Welcome to worship on Pentecost. Pentecost is the traditional day that we, as the people of God, celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. The descending of the Holy Spirit took a ragtag bunch of followers and turned them into apostles and made them the church of Jesus Christ. Our scripture this morning is from Acts. We've already heard Acts chapter 2. This set of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Hear the word of the Lord. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is Pentecost. Today we celebrate that that happened and continues to happen to the followers of Jesus Christ. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to live in believers, not just to visit with them. If the Bible witness is to be believed, and I believe that it is, then let's look at what Scripture has to say about that. The Spirit of God hovered over the uncreated chaos at creation. God visited with Adam and Eve in the garden. Abraham sought out the living God in a sacred place called the Grove of Mamre and found him there. Moses went up a mountain to visit with God after meeting him in a burning bush. The Spirit of God anointed or sat on kings and prophets and remained with them as long as they walked in God's ways. The Spirit of God descended first into the tabernacle and later into the temple and was believed to sit on the mercy seat which was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. It was kept in the Holy of Holies, a special place in the tabernacle or temple that only the high priest entered, and then only once a year to atone for the people. But with Jesus, this division, this demarcation between God's space and where humans could enter has been torn asunder. When Jesus was crucified, Scripture tells us that literally the temple of the curtain that blocked the Holy of Holies from the rest of the Holy Space was torn from top to bottom as though the hand of God reached down and removed it. Through Jesus Christ, God offers back to us the intimacy first experienced by the first humans there in the garden. The ability to walk together through life. The ability to talk to one another. To support, to encourage, to correct. To have cool, refreshing breezes of evening and warm sunlight of morning. And help through the struggles of daily life. To be with our God. In Jesus Christ, the Almighty God also became our father. This is what God always wanted. It was human beings that rejected that intimacy with God. Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. They wanted to be their own God, and they chose to rebel by eating that fruit. And the consequence of that was distance from God. After the exodus, the people of Israel were frightened of the Spirit of God. So God allowed them to remain at the base of the mountain. Only Moses and occasionally one or two others went up to be with God. God never wanted Israel to have a king. 
He wanted to be their king. He wanted to lead them closely to be their spiritual leader, the leader of all of their life. The Bible often calls God his people's husband, which speaks to us of intimacy and protection and partnership, of going through all that we go through in life together. That is what God always wanted. He even says so through the prophets. Hear what Jeremiah has to say in chapter 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with my people. It won't be like the former covenant. No, with this covenant, I will put my instructions within them and engrave them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Jesus promised his followers that that prophecy would be fulfilled. He says in John chapter 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will send you a companion who will be with you forever. And this companion is the spirit of truth. Later in the same chapter, he says, the companion who is the Holy Spirit is he whom the Father will send in my name. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit of God teaches us how to apply what Jesus modeled for us and said to us, to take it and apply it to our lives today in our context. And it is a process that unfolds as we walk with God. In John 16, Jesus says, I have so much more I want to say to you, but you can't handle it all right now. However, when the Spirit of Truth comes, he will guide you. He's not going to speak on his own. He's going to say what he hears, and he will proclaim to you. He will take what is mine and give it to you. We're in a process. Romans 8.26 tells us that the Spirit helps us when we are weak. And the Spirit helps us to bear fruit, as we've just talked about in our previous sermon series. The fruit of the Spirit, things like love, joy, peace patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. My friends, God was at work in our lives before we knew it. We call that God's prevenient grace. And when we accepted the relationship that God offers us in Jesus Christ, God's justifying grace imputed righteousness to us. That big word imputed just means he treated us as if we were righteous. Because we weren't yet. But he treats us as if we are because of Jesus. But it is God's sanctifying grace that then goes to work on us to actually make us more like Jesus. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. If we aren't becoming more like Jesus every day, then we are resisting or ignoring the voice of the Spirit in our lives. And it is that Spirit that still continues to make groups of followers into a church. The Greek word we use for church is ecclesia. It just means a group of people called together for a particular purpose. 
In our case, we are called together to worship the one true living God, to hear God's word, to hear God's voice, to learn more of what we are supposed to do as followers of Jesus. And then we scatter and go to be his ambassadors to our Jerusalem, to our Judea, to our Samaria, and to the ends of the world where God takes us. It's very much like what happened with Peter. He got to know God. He worshipped God. But the Holy Spirit changed Peter. Peter was a fisherman. He was a hard-working blue-collar man, to use our terms today. He probably wasn't highly educated, but he was pretty smart. He had some amazing leadership abilities, which helped him not just fish well, but create a fishing business. He had other people who worked for him. We see his leadership skills emerge as he becomes the leader of the group of disciples. But just over a month before Pentecost, just before this amazing sermon that he delivered to crowds, he denied Jesus. Vehemently, with cursing and spitting, he denied even knowing who Jesus was. But now, oh now, he is bold and articulate. He is outspoken. He is not afraid to be known as a follower of Jesus, not scared to break social mores and culturally accepted boundaries, not afraid to be rejected or ridiculed, and later could not even be shaken by accusations or intimidated by the powerful, even when they put him in jail. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit of God adds the power of God to the gifts of God in us and does, as Scripture says, far more than we know to ask or can even imagine. My friends, if you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. All believers have the Holy Spirit. We cannot get more of the Holy Spirit, but we can surrender more to the influence of the Holy Spirit. And we can do that individually and as a congregation, as a church. We can make our decisions based on Scripture. We can act at the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We can step out on faith rather than leaning on our own understanding. Like Peter, like the disciples on the first Pentecost, the Holy Spirit can work through us. We can be bold. We can be effective. We can be witnesses. We can do more than we can currently even imagine for God because of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.